Good morning. I'm Debbie Cruz. It's Wednesday, November 23rd. The Army veteran who helped stop the Colorado Springs shooting is a San Diego native. More on that next. But first, let's do the headlines. Today, CHP is starting what it calls its maximum enforcement period to crack down on DUIs during Thanksgiving weekend. All available CHP officers will be on duty from 6 to 9 until Sunday night. Last Thanksgiving weekend, CHP arrested more than 1,000 people statewide on suspicion of driving under the influence of alcohol or drugs. The San Diego Regional Task Force on Homelessness received its largest private gift in the organization's history. Amazon founder Jeff Bezos' organization Day One Family Fund donated $5 million to the task force. The Regional Task Force is San Diego's lead organization in addressing the homelessness crisis and said they will use the money to address homelessness among families, including higher rates of homelessness among families of color. You can now get a free electric bike by signing up for a pilot program that looks at how e-bikes are being used in the county. The program was started by Sandag and Pedal Ahead. Participants will be required to ride at least 100 miles per month for two years and will be able to keep the e-bike after completing the program. Applicants must live in the county and be 18 or older. Priority will be given to people that make less than 50000 a year. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. You've been thinking about helping KPBS with a donation. Why not donate that extra car you no longer need? Pickup is free, and you're supporting KPBS Public Media. Here's how. Visit kpbs.careasy.org. The Army veteran who helped stop Saturday's mass shooting at a gay nightclub in Colorado Springs has deep ties to San Diego. Richard Fierro went to high school here and graduated from SDSU. KPBS reporter Kitty Alvarado says he's being praised by the LGBTQ community. Richard Fierro is one of two people who helped stop Saturday's shooting at Club Q. He was praised by community activist Nicole Murray Ramirez during a community vigil in Hillcrest Monday night. I love the two that did stop that terrorist, a straight veteran from the Army. An ally, a friend. We can't do this alone without our allies and friends. It was him and guess who else? A drag queen. Before the vigil, there was a safety meeting where elected officials and law enforcement showed their support for the LGBTQ community. San Diego Police Chief David Nislight said he's determined to keep the community safe. Our message is we care. We care about this community. I have a lot of friends in this community. I deeply care about this community. And so I'm going to do everything I can as a chief of police, and I know my counterparts are going to, are going to assist me. Nislight says his plans include stepped-up patrols, special units, and undercover officers. Kitty Alvarado, KPBS News. Lung cancer is the deadliest cancer, but a new report reveals just a fraction of at-risk Californians are being screened for it. KPBS health reporter Matt Hoffman says early detection could save someone's life. 
A new study from the American Lung Association finds California has the worst lung cancer screening rate, with only 1% of those at risk coming in for them. It really breaks my heart because lung cancer remains the number one cause of cancer-related death. Dr. Tom Buckholtz is the medical director at Scripps Health's MD Anderson Cancer Center. He says lung cancer is typically diagnosed at later stages when the survival rate is low, but cases caught early have much better outcomes. We have to have a greater concerted effort to get those patients in need of screening to the appropriate screening studies. Doctors say anyone over 50 who smoked a pack of cigarettes a day for 20 years should be getting screened. Matt Hoffman, KPBS News. A major earthquake that hit off the Baja California coast and was widely felt in parts of San Diego is a reminder for us to be earthquake ready at all times. KPBS reporter Alexander Wynn talked with those who work to understand earthquakes. The 6.2 quake struck just before 8.40 Tuesday morning off the coast of Las Brisas, about 85 miles south of Ensenada. It was felt as far north as Oceanside. While the quake was hundreds of miles away, it still provides valuable information for engineers researching earthquake safety in San Diego. Joe Conte is a structural engineering professor at UC San Diego. With these earthquake records, we use them and we can reproduce them on our larger shaking table. And then we can test different type of uh, model of, of, of structures to see how they behave during earthquakes. Generally speaking, Conte says homes and buildings are safer than they were a generation ago, but it's always a good idea to get a seismic inspection from a professional every few years. Alexander Wynn, KPBS News. The U.S. and Mexico are fierce soccer rivals, but in a cross-border region like San Diego, fans cheer for both teams. KPBS border reporter Gustavo Solis says the World Cup brings a special atmosphere. The World Cup is the biggest sporting event on the planet, bigger than the World Series, the Super Bowl, and even the Olympics. Every four years, the best soccer teams in the world compete to see who lifts the cup. And there's something extra special about the tournament when you live in a border region like ours. <laughs> Team USA didn't qualify for the last World Cup four years ago. That's one reason why Steve Garcia thinks this World Cup is going to be extra special. The co-owner of Three Punk Ales Brew Pub in Chula Vista is expecting some big watch parties bigger than the 2018 World Cup when Mexico fans packed the brewery to cheer their team. Like our last World Cup, there was no U.S. So there was, it was like, we don't know what the, we're, we're, we don't know exactly how that's going to go this year. But last, last World Cup was awesome. It was, you know what, three? Everybody came out, bro. Eight in the morning games, six in the morning games. It didn't matter. We had food trucks posted up. U.S. and Mexico fans are supposed to hate each other. But that's really hard to do in the borderlands, where we have so much in common. Fans from San Diego trek to Tijuana to cheer on the Cholos, and kids from Mexico will play on some of San Diego's elite youth soccer teams. Football's football, bro. I mean, you know more than anybody else. In here in, in Southern California, being a border town, being from Chula Vista, football is football, soccer is soccer. The love and the passion for the game, for the, for the match is second to none. Garcia still remembers die-hard USA fans wearing the green Mexican jerseys in 2018, and he's got video evidence. 
But a lot of American fans were in El Tri gear. Like, I got video to prove it. So next, if they're trying to argue when this year, when they were, oh, I'm not. And I said, ah, my friend, I have video of you cheering and singing the Mexican national anthem. Daniel Chamberlain is the president of the San Diego chapter of the American Outlaws, a Team USA supporters group. He's traveled all over the U.S. and Mexico to watch the two rivals go at it. He says that it's always an interesting experience. It's a rivalry. It's a heated rivalry, especially on the field. But it's interesting when you're in the stands, if I've seen it when Mexico wins, U.S. fans taking their jersey off wearing Mexico jerseys, and I've seen it the other way. I don't like it. I think you need to pick a side. But I just think it drives both teams, which I've always enjoyed that part. Chamberlain credits Mexican fan culture for spreading the love of soccer in the U.S. It wasn't always easy to follow the sport if you lived north of the border. When he grew up in the 1980s, most American channels wouldn't broadcast any soccer games. So to watch games, the only way you could watch it was in Spanish with the Mexican League. And sometimes, you know, for us older people, we had to use those rabbit ears that you put on your TV. I think that's what made San Diego so unique. Chamberlain says that he probably watched more soccer games in Spanish than in English until he was in his 20s. Back at Three Punk Ales, multicultural fans say cheering for multiple teams is a reflection of their identity. I love it because, uh, so I'm black and I'm Mexican, so I can, I'm both, so I can, I, I love both nations. And it's dope because, like, you have two chances to win the World Cup. Juan wore a USA jersey to the game between the U.S. and Wales on Monday. He planned to come back on Tuesday wearing a green Mexico jersey. Chula Vista or maybe South San Diego, you have a lot of people that have grown up in the United States but have, you know, deep roots in Mexico. And we root for both teams. Today it's USA. When Mexico plays tomorrow, I'll have my Mexico jersey on. Garcia is already planning for 2026. That's when Mexico, the U.S., and Canada will combine to host the World Cup. Am I excited for this? Yes. I'm more excited for 2020, uh, eight, uh, 2026. I see as soon as we get those North American countries involved, Canada, U.S., and Mexico, that's going to be bananas. Gustavo Solis, KPBS News. Coming up. Thousands of pies were sold for a good cause. We'll have that story and more next, just after the break. podcast listener. Full disclosure, I'm going to make some assumptions about you. This probably isn't the only podcast you enjoy. Blink if I'm right. (laughs) It's probably not the only thing you watch or listen to on KPBS either. If I'm right about that, then I'm guessing you make it a point to check in on a regular basis to see what's new, take in the latest and greatest, and then you go back to your daily life until we happily come together again. We're sort of like a virtual buffet. When you're hungry for information and entertainment, you go to KPBS and want to eat, uh, consume all you can, right? Well, you should know that when you become a member of KPBS, you're keeping the entire TV, radio, and online trays full of fresh ideas, like the tasty podcast you're enjoying right now. Help feed your appetite for KPBS. Become a member today. Just go to kpbs.org, click the blue Give Now button, and make a donation. Thank you.
A local food organization is getting ready for a huge pre-Thanksgiving pie delivery. KPBS reporter Melissa May tells us thousands of pies are being sold to help feed critically ill San Diegans. Dozens of San Diego pastry chefs, caterers, and bakeries all donated their time and talent to Mama's Pies, one of the largest annual bake sales in San Diego. And on the menu are pies, 3,200 of them. Jenna Novotny is the director of development for Mama's Kitchen, who benefits from the funds raised from the pies. Each pie purchased helps to fund the preparation and delivery of 12 medically tailored meals for critically ill San Diegans, uh, which is what Mama's Kitchen does uh, 365 days out of the year. Mama's Kitchen is very close to reaching their goal of raising $145,000 and are still accepting monetary donations at mamaspies.org slash donate. Melissa May, KPBS News. With Thanksgiving tomorrow, our film critics wanted to highlight a movie they are thankful for. They choose Tar because they say it's a challenging, complex film that deserves appreciation. Here's KPBS cinema junkie Beth Akamando and Movie Wallace podcaster Yazdi Pithavala. Before we start discussing the film and its many facets, let me just introduce it to listeners who may not be familiar with it. Filmmaker Todd Field wrote Tar specifically for actress Kate Blanchett, and if she had turned down the role, he said he would have shelved the project. Fortunately, Blanchett accepted the role, and she plays an arrogant but breathtakingly talented conductor named Lydia Tarr. The film opens with an extended scene that is nothing more than a sit-down interview between Tarr and Adam Gopnik. So let's hear a little bit of that scene. Time is the thing. Time is, is the essential piece of uh, interpretation. You cannot start without me. See, I start the clock. Now, my left hand, it shapes, but my right hand, the second hand, marks time and moves it forward. However, unlike a clock, sometimes my second hand stops, which means that time stops. Now, the illusion is that like you, I'm responding to the orchestra in real right, time, making right. the decision about the right moment to restart the thing or reset it or throw time out the window altogether. The reality is that right from the very beginning, I know precisely what time really? it is and the exact moment that you and I will arrive at our destination together. So this is just two people talking. Now, it's very simple on a certain level, but on another level, this is kind of like a radical challenge to what people expect from a movie. So let's just begin by talking about how effective this opening scene is. It's always show, don't tell. And the director just uses this wonderful device so that by the time that opening scene is done, 10 minutes in, you know so much about the central character. It allows him an opportunity to introduce her to this audience for The New Yorker, but at the same time, he's introducing the character to those who are watching the film. And it allows us to see her in her glory when she's reigning, and you get such a good sense of her as a character. And what's great is you are getting so much information about her. She's talking in these eloquent sentences that are designed to sound spontaneous. But as we watch this play out, we know she has rehearsed this like a hundred times because her assistant is reading the words along with her, lip syncing to it. So 
there's just so many elements to the visual style and the editing and the scripting that give us so much more information about her than what the surface of the scene tells us. Yeah, she's really commanding the room. She is in control of that conversation. And it does seem like it's spontaneous, but it's not because it's all rehearsed and it's all, again, demonstrating how much confidence and control she has over what she's purviewing, which is this orchestra. And she's got it down to the clothes she wears, her gestures, everything feels carefully rehearsed to appear absolutely natural. (laughs) Yes, yes. There's a cadence to how it all comes off seeming totally superior. She's depicted as this incredibly talented, arrogant person who is willing to crush anyone in her path to get what she wants. So after the screening, a number of people came up to me and said they were they actually resented having had to spend time with a person that they felt was so horrible. But I found her character absolutely riveting. And I'm just wondering how you feel about how she is presented and whether it really matters if she's sympathetic or likable. The major reason why I love it is precisely because this movie has you play this game at every minute of you judging her as the viewer and deciding if she is a bad person, bad morally, bad criminally. I mean, there's no question about it. She's very arrogant. She's totally at the top of her form in terms of her talent. And she's using her status and her privilege to get things done. And the movie asks you, is that necessarily a bad thing? And like you, Beth, I could have watched her for another three hours. This is a long movie, but I found it so riveting because we are used to seeing complicated, flawed male characters, but we so seldom see women characters who are allowed to be all of these things that this movie allows Tar to be. One of the things I really love about this film is it never tells you what to think. It never really explains anything to you. It presents her life and allows you to make determinations about what we're seeing and what's happening and whether she's guilty of things she's accused of or whether she's committed some of these acts. And I just love a film that doesn't condescend to the audience to say that, no, figure it out yourself. That was Beth Hakamondo speaking with Yazdi Pithavala. You can hear their full conversation on Tara on Beth's Cinema Junkie podcast. You can now stream the film on Apple TV and more. That's it for the podcast today. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Debbie Cruz. Thanks for listening and have a happy Thanksgiving. We'll be back Friday.